Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. You are welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. And if you do not recognize uh, the dulcet tones uh, of the intro here, it's because the talented Mr. N. Nicole is uh, on the injured list this week, uh, out unfit for, for purpose uh, to deliver a performance today. So he's left uh, Alan Morrison from Celtic by the Numbers and uh, myself, Juco James, for, for this week's uh, week's iteration of the Huddle Breakdown. Uh, Alan, how are you getting on? I'm all right, yeah. I, I mean, what it's going to be like without a responsible adult in charge, I've got no idea. So <laughs> apologies in advance. <laughs> yeah, this could evolve into something terrible quick. So if, if this even makes it to air and we put it out, then uh, we apologize in advance. Um, so we're here to basically uh, deconstruct the last debacle of the season, the the 4-1 loss to uh, Rangers at Ibrox over the weekend. Um, so basically, uh, I'll, I'll set set it up here. I think that the, uh, the ex- expected goals difference was about one, a little over one, which actually you might not think uh, is, is, a, is a cataclysmic number given that it ended up being 4-1, but um, yeah, it was what was not a pleasant game. So, what 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 do you think, Alan? Yeah, I'm, I'm you know beforehand, uh, my view was similar to the previous games where you know the last, discounting the first game where there was an awful lot of external factors, Celtic's you know lineup was was poor and and they didn't have a shot on target. And the last three games, although Celtic hadn't won, you know you'd sort of be thinking, well, what makes you worried? What makes you worried is if you're not creating any chances, you're not having any shots on, on goal, et cetera. And in those three games, you know, by all virtually every metric that you would use to sort of, you know, assess a game really, Celtic could have been slightly ahead. And and, and although, you know, I'm not, they lost the game, fair enough, uh, for various reasons, can't put the ball in the net, that's, that's nobody's fault but our own. Um, it still allowed a level of, uh, you know, not if not confidence, then at least a, a bit of optimism for this game. But it, but in many ways, it actually everything the the the, the Celtic season 
where everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong, and uh, the season for the Rangers where you know all the all the sort of variables, if you like, have kind of stacked up in their favour. Basically, just what was on speed for this game, <laughs> just kind of everything coalesced, and, and the result was a was a hammering. And and you know, fair play I, again. I think uh, whatever people might say or think. I've, I think I've been pretty consistent in being very complimentary about how well a team they are set up, how well they are, uh, you know, coached, how well they're organised, and you know, getting a goal up uh, in this case, in in a game like this, and especially against ten players, they're able to control the game with very, very, very patient play, and and, and absolutely suited them down to the ground. They, they actually, again, as has been the case all season, Celtic have put them under no pressure. And they were allowed to play completely pressure-free uh, throughout the match and just really have a bit of a stroll on the on a Sunday, which is sad to say. I mean, you know, I don't know what you felt was. I mean, they obviously Celtic started quite promisingly. There was a couple of early chances, and then I think uh, I think the Rangers got they got back into it a little bit, and then the goal stroke sending off was uh, was clearly yeah you know, had a massive impact on on the game because. Celtic set up with a midfield of you know Turnbull, McGregor and Brown, and that, as we've talked about many many times, the lack of mobility, the lack of energy in in that three central midfield, is just always going to be high risk. If you then remove the one that has got some energy, and up and down ability in McGregor, suddenly <laughs> you've got a massive hole. And I think we'll probably touch on Scott Brown. I don't want, I don't want to hammer Scott Brown th- three games away from his last Celtic performance, but my no. God, if, if, if ever there was a you know a case to be made for all what I've been saying all season, it was it was kind of this game. But uh, what were your thoughts on the sending off? Harsh, fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I think f- first of all, you know, as I we go over and over again, the idea of variance. I mean, th- this was that official's first. Uh, Derby game, young guy, um, you know, actually from what I read, I think he grew up a, a Celtic supporter. Not that that matters. Again, I, I tend not to, you know, get too caught up in these things. Um, you know, he had a, he was kind of quick probably uh, for a Derby match on both McGregor's, but in fairness, Simpson's as well. You know, I, I think a Bobby Madden probably lets both of those go. <laughs> I mean, he, he's let uh, – outright assaults go at times early in, in these fixtures. So, you know, it, it probably some bad luck um, relative to that first yellow. I think the second one was just, you know, I think as most people probably think was well-earned and um, you know, there, there was some, I, I read various people about the letter of the law and I've heard people discussing it. Yes. Yeah. There's, I, all, there's, all, there's always discretion. Listen, I'm, I'm actually yeah. going to, just to make it a bit of fun, I'm actually going to disagree with you on that. I think the first one was absolutely spot on because uh, again, Brown was out of position. He'd already been, the, he'd already been uh, bypassed and McGregor brought Kent down because he had to. And to yeah, me, that I, was, I'm that, not to me, that, to me that was a fair. That was a fair. The second one, I felt there was a little bit that actually, if you if you look at it, I don't think McGregor even sees the player coming. And so, if you yeah. want to say, if you're going to send him off for something, if he intentionally brought the guy down, I, I could think you have a point. But I don't actually think he even saw the guy coming. And it, yeah, and yes, I, yeah, and yes, it was clumsy. But at the end of the day, the referee, with whatever, this letter of the law nonsense, right? right? The referee absolutely has discretion to sort of say, how do I want to refer this? Am I looking to to make this a game where I'm going to flourish the card for every slightly mistimed tackle? 
um, and he didn't because he didn't because he didn't actually book anyone after that, right? Or, right. or I'm, I'm going to try. Or, or and, and again, I come back to when you hear hear the referees, especially in England, talk about, look, I don't want to send anyone. Off. I'm going to try my best not. To. So it's a big game, you know. A lot of people watching. We want to see a game of football. I don't want to have to send anyone off unless I really, really have to. Did he really have to send McGregor off? I don't think he really had to, but he chose to. And, right. the, and the point I would make is if you contrast that with the way that. Um, you know, Morelos was has been handled by Beaton and by um, Madden in these games, where he's been allowed to rack up five, six, seven fouls uh, without even a booking in some cases. Um, then you know you can see there's an inconsistency of how the game was approached. So I, I do, th- I do think, I do think, you know, McGregor was put into a position one where he des- absolutely deserved a yellow card, and the second where he, again he's covering in a place that he's not good at covering in. He's not good at right. that. And he and he and he and he gets he actually physically gets flustered. His body shape goes all out of out of control. You see him in defensive situations sometimes. It's quite it's quite interesting. But uh, yeah, well, it, it was a it was a flashback to you know the Sparta Prague games yeah. where he's running around like a headless chicken trying to cover for trying to cover yeah. two man midfield. And and that's yeah. yeah I, I raised the the letter of the law topic because I knew you'd have a better sense of of the officiating aspect of it than I. There's always I discretion. There's always no, discretion. agreed. I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not really debating whether or not they should have been yellows. Cause again, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a rules expert. I'm not, I don't have a, a great sense on the, the letter of the law, so to speak. Um, my, my point was more broadly that I could see those first two having been called differently at different, in different games, more so that, cause I actually agree with you. I mean, if I had to, you know, you put a gun to my head and say, do you think those first two were yells? I actually probably would say both Simpson and McGregor, you know, regardless that they were so early in a, yeah, in a I game think in the head, that. the uh, elbow to the head. I mean, he wasn't trying to hit right. it. It was just, it was just, it was just, it was just, I think he, the, the defender was a bit unfortunate actually, but he's, he's put his right. arm in a place where the guy's head's connected. And that's quite a sensitive area in terms of refereeing. So I don't, I don't have an, an objection with those, those two yellows, but I think he's thinking, especially having played on, and the goal, by the way, Roof's finish I thought was superb oh, with his great. chest. It was absolutely yeah. tremendous. What a brilliant yeah. goal. Um, but, you know, did he really need to send McGregor off? I, I, I don't think. Well, I probably think. not. Yeah. 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 And again, that 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 was uh, – now the irony is uh, I actually cited this. Uh, you, you you may have different numbers with the, your data collection, but um, I, I think our, our pro-rated um, defending got better when we went down to 10 men. Um, because again, we, we pretty much went to uh four, three, two and, and had kind of a back, you know, flat three in midfield with, with Elianissi, uh, Brown and, and Turnbull. And, um, so we had more, uh, you know, more bodies in the midfield versus that the two and one in the four, two, three, one with, with Turnbull further forward as a 10. And, uh, so I think actually, ironically, even with, and this this will come, we'll get back to this in a little bit as far as uh, you know the adjustments that weren't or or were made once we went down a man, um, you know I, our pro rated uh, XG concession in those first twenty six minutes before McGregor was sent off it was over five. So if we'd kept conceding XG at the rate that we did in those first twenty six minutes, you extrapolate that over ninety three minutes. We would have given up over five in XG to. to, to yeah, it. yeah, I, I'd I had similarish. I think the point is that they'd racked up about half of their XG for the game by the time the first goal went in, and and, and therefore, right. and it didn't, and it didn't, it didn't well, get I mean, massively 
sort of worse than, than, than that. I know we can see the four goals, but actually they didn't create that many chances. But having said that, you know... Well, they went back into cruise control. The, the, well, the second, half, the second half, when they just came out and kept the ball for the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then scored, you know, the roof scored a good goal where he moved and nobody else did. Um, you know, another good, great, you know, great finish. Um, right. Listen, that, that was very easy for very easy for them to be fair, but I, uh, I, but I, I, I did worry about that four three two to be honest because you know what you would I guess traditionally well it was traditionally but what I would have expected was to be, to be a you know four four one really and at least have something to guard the flanks because you know Barisic was you know and Tavernier were putting in a lot of, trying attempting a lot of good crosses and put in a number of very good crosses as well so i would have i was kind of surprised at, at that for kind of and also just to give just to give the midfield some more more bodies really uh, with with brown and turnbull in there but uh, yeah i don't think it would have been any worse either way as it turned out yeah and i, I um my, my biggest problem with the the game in general was, was actually how it was uh, managed i mean i i thought uh, th- this was a perfect example where the manager um was directly culpable for yes. setting the team up to lose and not, not intentionally, but uh, in the battle of wits uh, Celtic were absolutely blown away in this game. I mean, uh, Rangers came in with a four, four, two diamond, not something that they've played very much, but was, you know, and even Gerard in the post game um, basically said that they came in, set up this way specifically to attack the he, I'm not quoting him on this, but I'll say it: the glaring weaknesses um, that you know a, a blind person could see, and and that we've been talking about most of the season for for Celtic. So, you know, um, basically making a Kent Brown mono mono matchup, uh, and then having Morelos and and um, and Roof, you know, look to go mono mono against the center backs, and then have them moving around quite a bit, you know, making it dynamic and a lot of movement and, and dragging um, Brown out of position. Well, it, was, of position. It, was, it was actually, I mean, whereas the previous game, they played 4-4-2 out of possession, a very, a very compact 4-4-2. In this game, they actually played a 4-3-3. And consequently, Celtic got through that first line, that three, who played quite high, uh, very easily. Right. Um, I, I, I mean, I know it's easy, but I would have, you know, I would have gone 4-3-3 and matched that up. I'd right. have had Sorrow, Christine, McGregor in midfield, and then Forrest, Elianusi, and Edward. And actually, you know, I'd love to like to see that game. I think that'd be a really good game. I certainly think we would give a massively better account of ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just, I, I don't know. Um, so as far as setting up the, for failure, I, I cannot get my head around how everything that we've been through this season that, um, again, if he decides that he wants to play Brown for whatever reason, why it's in a four-two-three-one, and why we don't go four-three-three? Yeah. I, I just it, it, mid, towards the end of the first half, Brown had been packed, as in he'd been bypassed more times than than he'd completed passes. Okay. Right. He yeah. actually completed in sixty minutes less passes, or the same number of passes as McGregor did in in the, in the short time he was on the pitch. It it, 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 it wasn't just that he, he was a liability in not covering the space. He played virtually no part in the game at all. Right. Even 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 just in basic. Ball progression. I mean, I, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm furious about that because people who would have had Brown in all season will say, "Oh, you, why are you digging out, you know, one of our greats?" And the reason I'm furious is why are you putting him in that position? He shouldn't exactly be right. in that position. To be, he was embarrassed. 
that was an embarrassing personal performance. And I'm sure Scott Brown, proud man that he is, feels that. And he should never have been put in that position. Yeah, I, you know, again, you, you know how I love my cross-sport analogies. To me, I, it, it's like the uh, the corner man in a, that doesn't throw the towel in for the boxer and just yeah. lets them get lit up because they're, you know, it's a tough boxer who has a iron jaw that will not go down. Mm. And at some point you just got to say, okay, that's enough. You know, it, it, it's, it's not in anyone's interest to let this keep going. And yeah, um, so, yeah, I, again, I don't, I don't want to dwell on that either, but I, it, I, to me, it's more so um, that setting up that way, and it just resulted in the predictable debacle in the first 26 minutes. The feedback loop that we've talked about for months, the impact on McGregor, turning him into a headless chicken, uh, flashback to the Europa League first five games. I mean, nightmare level. And then um, let, let, let's talk about then, because I, I think there's some fertile ground here to discuss. And I think it introduces an, in, an interesting um topic relative to theory versus applied analytics. So um, one of the things that Rogers was known for doing, uh, and he did it successfully against Rangers on one occasion, was going 4-3-2, subbing on Edward as far, part of those two. And then um, I believe we, we came back to win that game as, as a result with a man down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I get from a theory perspective, what Kennedy was probably trying to do, but the personnel that he used to try and deploy it were square peg round hole in my mind, meaning that, you know, how a midfield, and I, I'll, I'll give some, uh, some credit here to uh, Gavin. Um, uh, I think it was Gavin on the, uh, the, the pure football uh, podcast uh, that mentioned uh, this that I hadn't really thought about it ahead of time. I listened to their show um, earlier in the week, and they were talking about this misfit of the four three two that they went, and how I mean Elianusi is a, a a central midfielder on the left, and then Turnbull who's not terribly mobile on the right, and then you've got Brown, and even beyond that, then you've got who are your two up top? Are Edward and Forrest. I mean, it, it, again, it's, you know, to go back to the, the phrase that you've coined uh, this season that I love is toxic combinations. I mean, on what planet that is a coherent uh, use of personnel relative to that strategy. So, again, I, you know, I could get the 441. That's what we did back when uh, Baton got set off, sent off in, in January. But even then, we, you know, we kind of, you know, cry, I'll call it cry laugh. I mean, and if you don't laugh, you have to cry. Uh, when we ended up with Rogic and Brown as the middle two in that, in the midfield four, this seemed to be comparable. I mean, h- how there wasn't an immediate substitution to make a change there to get either Forrest off and put someone up top that's going to help, you know, or, or bring in Soro, even put Soro with Brown and move Elianusi up as one of the, the quote unquote two or strikers with Edward. I mean, to, to not make any changes and then to kind of see it out to halftime and then come out with that again. Hmm. I mean, it, so we, we set up to fail. Then when the inevitable reality of that failure uh, manifested with a red card, which was in my mind, directly culpable to Kennedy's decision. I mean, I, yeah, I, again, I because, because, because McGregor, again, as we've said, McGregor has been put in a position where he's trying to do things that are not his 
strong, yeah, that, strong suit. That's been a bomb waiting to go off all season. Yeah. If it wasn't him, it could have been Brown or it could have been Welsh flailing about. Yeah. Um, and and so that he's directly culpable for that. And then the decision making once we go down a man is equally bad in my judgment. Um, so, you know, again, it, we're fortunate that uh, Rangers, you know, kind of go into cruise control once they get up a couple. It seems anyway. I mean, they seem to be they're they're not looking to pour it on and you know embarrass and humiliate like they could uh, because in that second half, I mean, it was just it was a, the first 10, 15 minutes. I mean, they, they could have just done anything they wanted to. And they did for, yeah. they were just passing the ball around the back and creating chances and kind of almost like a training session. It was, yeah. it was. Overlapping. Yeah. They, they, they almost got bored and started lumping a few crosses in <laughs> it was because of something to do, I think really. But yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, once you, once you've set up the team completely wrongly in the first place and then guess what the worst that can happen does, I, you lose the only energy you've got in central midfield surely at that point you think well okay I've, I've got to plug that gap because if i don't plug that gap it's going to get worse and you know you did have options like you say um you know a, 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 if sorrow and brown are in the middle and you see your and forester wide that's that's a reasonably you could you could turn that into a reasonably compact midfield defensively at least um so no i mean I, I, you know the what has what 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 hasn't changed under kennedy is is the insistence that you know, brown is still the best option to patrol in front of the back four it's the um, it's, you know the the leave, not, not not making changes, not reacting to, or even the, what I always keep coming back to with Rogers, and 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 actually you know I mentioned Beale a lot in terms of he's the brains of, of the Rangers operation, and I think Davis was very, the one who was really had his, I would say, is the one who's, who who was most sensitive to the ebb and flow of a game in real time, and and, yep. and you would often see him in 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 Rogers' ear. And 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 they would get ahead of momentum shifts, and they would make changes ahead of it becoming a problem. Celtic wait till it becomes a problem. They see the problem. The problem then gets worse, and then somebody might do something about it. And and modern football is not like that. And actually, this season, when all the clubs have had more latitude to make more changes, and a club like Celtic has got more options on the bench than any other side, that is appalling it is absolutely appalling because you've got effectively what is it now they can have seven people on the bench you've got an 18 man squad there you can react to a lot or you can get ahead of a lot of situations and you can you can you should be looking for those little momentum shifts and recalibrating almost constantly you've got a lot of options there and it's astonishing to me how badly we've used our resources in that regard and kennedy and kennedy looks to be no, no, no way, no further forward, no further forward under Kennedy on that than we were under Lennon. Well, and this is where some of the, um, I'll call it the culture issues in in the game drive me berserk. And th- these exist in other sports too. It's not just football, but you know the idea that you're going to embarrass somebody by taking them off in the first half. I don't, you know, I'm, you know, you're you're in you're in a derby match. You go a man down in the 26th minute. Excuse my language. I don't give a shit if I hurt a player's feelings. If I'm a manager, you know the, the substitution should have been Christie and Soro on. Period. Right, and move Elianusi up with Edward in the four three two. I mean, that would have been coherent. That would have made sense. And quite frankly, I think the way the game unfolded, we could have maybe had a chance at least hang in there. Um, 
you know, and 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 then it doesn't happen in halftime because why? Because we're going to hurt people's feelings because they shouldn't get hooked at halftime. So we wait to the 60th minute to make a change that was an obvious one. What? Why are we? Why wait 35, 40 minutes for again for people's feelings? Is that what we're doing? No, it might be worse than that. It might actually be genuine judgment that that is the best option, and <laughs> that's yeah. that's really worrying. <laughs> God help oh, I, just, I, I just want to touch on uh, the last goal I saw a lot of. Again, I don't tend to go onto social media after games like that. It's just absolutely fruitless. But there, was, <laughs> there, seemed, there seemed to be some criticism of Welsh for the last goal. Um, I just want to touch on that because, again, if you look at the context of the goal, I mean, Sorrow, because you know, Sorrow's not perfect, he gave the ball away in a central position. He, the guy was halfway, I think uh, it was Ken or Davis, kind of was, was on pretty much on halfway when he got the ball, but still, you know, Sorrow gave it away in a bad position. Mm-hmm. If you then look at what happened, the two passes transition into Defoe, um, is that if you look at that picture, it's, it's a flashback to earlier in the season. Um, Kenny's behind the ball, sorry, in front of the ball. Right. And Taylor, even Taylor, was in front of the ball, right. so so Welsh is effectively faced up on his own with a with a you know thirty eight year old striker, but you know Defoe in in a, in a tight space is pretty nifty, still pretty nifty and a, a great finisher as he showed. Um, so I, I'm I'm not I'm not having you know Welsh be hammered for that. He was left horribly horribly exposed in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually had, I, I don't disagree with you there. Um, at that point, I think people were just looking to take bodies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm, just, um, I'm, I'm throwing things. I don't care who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some indiscriminate uh, anger flying about, which again, I can relate yeah. to at times. I, yeah. I actually, I, I had a question for you because uh, I agree. I mean, obviously we've talked about Soro being imperfect and uh, having clear issues with certain aspects of his game. Although I will say that uh, when he came on, I, I think that the... Uh, for the rest of the, for the remainder of the game, XG was basically even between the two teams for the, for the remainder of the game. Um, my question for you is relative to him turning that ball over. I don't know if you remember the sequence there, but uh, I believe it's Turnbull in kind of the right half space, and it, it almost seemed to me. Now again, I, I, assigning blame is irrelevant. I, my question is more contextual. I mean, it seems to me as if he was leading Turnbull to a degree and a Turnbull in the 93rd minute or whatever it was basically just stood there. Um, and, and that might've been the right decision, meaning that, you know, occupy space. Um, so it, it just seemed to me like a, a, almost like a miscommunication or a mis-expectation as much as it was a misplaced pass, meaning that it looked to me as if Soro could have either expected or wanted, so to speak, Turnbull to be progressing up the pitch a little bit, because it wasn't like he missed him by five yards. He passed it to where Turnbull would have been had he just been kind of moving up the pitch. Um, And that comes back to this, you know, back to this, uh, how how often has Turnbull been playing in that position this year, Uh, particularly in that shape? And the fact that how many minutes has Soro gotten in the last two months? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I'm not going to little for, details. Yeah, I think I think I think you know in ninety third minute of a game that's long gone, in a season that's long gone, with players who are tired from running around who pro- aren't as fit as they should be anyway. If these things are going to happen, frankly, exactly. You know, we, yeah. we saw it with Kenny earlier in a little bit earlier where he, he literally he didn't move towards the ball. It's like a school schoolboy error, really, you know, and, and it was intercepted. 
Um, I, I, I do have, I do think with Kenny, it's not fitness. It's I just don't think he, I just, he don't think he thinks quick enough. He doesn't react quick enough. His, his, right. his mental, his mental speed and therefore his body speed to me are just not quick enough for that level. Uh, is my takeaway from having watching, which is quite difficult to um, put into stats actually. <laughs> but that's just that's my kind of watching him. To, to think. Yeah. So I think it's a combination of that. Turnbull, Turnbull's fitness, I don't think has been great all season. I don't know whether it's just that. I mean, he isn't the most mobile player anyway. Um, he hasn't played that many ninety minutes. He's come off a, a year out. But having said that, we're in May now. He's been right. playing all season. Um, so I, I do think, and and if you, and one of the interesting things of, and this game again showed it, is that if you got, if I went back through all virtually all Celtic games this season, is that we tend to create chances in clusters, and that whereas you, you if you compare that again back to the Rogers. You know the relentless. Relent, I can't even say it. Relentless was the word that was the word that he used, and I can't. Uh, whereby you know the team was always on the front foot, always looking to go forward, and there would be kind of a fairly kind of constant pressure throughout the game. If we kind of clustered XG by time of game, I think there'd be little spikes, and I know there probably is naturally in most games, but I think it would be quite. Um, and I do wonder if that's a, a kind of fitness thing, really as well another indicator we've talked about this in the past as to how do we evidence that and then how does the because most goals or a, a, a higher proportion of goals get scored in the last 10 minutes because teams get get uh, get more tired but i do wonder what the extra distribution by time is for celtic and comparing it to rogers would be an interesting analysis to do to see whether that would reveal either both for and against actually are, are celtic actually as fit as they as they could be um, but again, ten met ten men running around against a team that's just content to to knock the ball around uh, yeah. is, is, is probably not 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 the game to level that criticism. Maybe I don't know. Well, the, the last that I'll I'll share then, and we'll we'll get to our uh, our duffer and uh, boy uh, <laughs> quote unquote awards. I think the post shot xg and y scout was uh, I think like 0.55 or something for Celtic, um, right. which was you know horrible. <laughs> which continues our issues with finishing you know we keep waiting for this mean regression to happen um looks like it you know maybe we'll beat st johnston 15 to nothing <laughs> uh, yeah because it looks like they've got some covid issues suddenly there's yeah. some positive variants heading yeah. when, when, when it's all over <laughs> yeah unfortunately for st johnston yeah a couple, a couple guys um, yeah I, I'm more important for them is the is the cup game obviously on uh, the weekend which uh, you know you don't want to see them be full strength for yeah. Whereas again, um, I think I think Rangers were uh, maybe two and a half, two sixty. So, not a great game from Bain. Again, we keep coming back to some of the same topics. Decent saves from McGregor, although not world beater types. And um, you know that's how we get to four to one. So, uh, Alan, if we'll, we'll start positive in in Enda's illness. Honor. Uh, and being out ill, we'll we'll start with the positive. Can you come up with a positive for a boy of the match for yourself? Well, uh, you know, just to say that he he did actually duck out the way of the ball when Morales hit it, which is kind of unforgivable for a professional. Uh, I mean, you know, I you know Morales did spank it, and if it was me, I'd have been digging a hole to get out of the way of it, frankly. But not not a six foot four centre half shouldn't be doing that, um, which is Iyer. If we can, if we can just put that to one side, and the, you know, it was slim pickings here. Um, if I look at the rest of his game, not so many defensive um, challenges, but he won the two that he had. Um, he, you know, so he, he was kind of hundred percent on that ball progression was was actually decent. Um, in fact, his passing 
ball progression, his packing score was by by a mile the highest in the team. And also he added much this he added he added more he added more packing score running with the ball than any other Celtic player did by passing it, if you can believe that. Which is quite incredible actually. So in terms of driving the team forward, Ayer was miles ahead of any other player. He he also had he was up there in terms of expected assists. I mean, his his header actually led to the goal, um, and he had a, he had a couple of shots in the box from his from his drives. So actually, you know, um, he was going to be my my sort of shining light, just at least because he at least drove the team forward and got the team forward as best he could. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with you. It's not all that exciting when we agree, but uh, given the slim pickings, I, I I tend to try to throw out another name if if um. Uh, in a game where there is another name to offer, but I don't think there was. And I, I think, you know, um, it, it amuses me at times how often I see other uh, supporters um, call it besmirch some of the talent on on our team. Um, and I, I think we'll really, really miss Ire when he leaves. And I think absolutely. Uh, that that running ability that you referenced and his ability to take out players via the dribble, so, some um, sophisticated club in Europe is going to understand and recognize that outlier value, yes. uh, like Leverkusen did with Frimpong's elite ball progression through progressive runs, um, and somebody w- might actually play him on the right side. Yeah. Of- since he's one-footed. Uh, I mean, imagine, 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 imagine if you had a frimpong, for example, in like Chelsea's team last night, where you, where you basically you say to him, right, your job is to get the ball in, deep in your own half and get it over halfway line. Once right. you get it over the halfway line, I want you to give it very carefully <laughs> to somebody who's much, much better than you right. at being creative from that point onwards. And he would be absolutely <laughs> phenomenal in that team if he just did that job. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I, I think... Um, I've been critical of Iyer at times with his attacking headers, that kind of thing. But I, I think he's a terrific player, and and I'm going to be sad to see him go. And I, I think uh, I, I agree with you there. Um, so I'll you're, just, you're I'll, I'll, I'll just sorry, no. Before we yep. get to that, I'll just, I will honourable mention just just to kind of you know throw something a bit different into the mix. I will I will give an honourable mention to El Yunusi. Um, he actually led the team in sort of possession winbacks. He won it back five times. He had as many successful challenges as Taylor with eight, which was the highest in the team. Um, you know, he gives the ball away a lot. My goodness, still, you see, he really does. It doesn't always, doesn't always make, the, make the great choices. Um, and, you know, he did have the highest expected scoring contribution overall, 0.7. So in terms of, you know, looking at expected goals plus expected assists, his was the his was the highest. So I'll give a kind of honourable mention to El Yunusi as well. Fair, yeah. Yeah, he was the only other one I even think thought about um because again i think he 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 doesn't get enough credit for that um the counter pressing he does i mean he's, yeah i, I, he's I believe you may, yeah. you may have that metric but I, I i believe um i've read or heard that um he has the best metric for that in stats bomb which is one of the higher quality data vendors i don't have uh, something called counter pressing but i'd be interested to know how it's calculated because i might be able to derive it yeah you, yeah yeah Yep. Yep. So, all right, your your Duffer Award. <laughs> well, I've kind of mentioned it, right? And and it's sad to say, but you know, and again, I'm not saying this to belittle the captain. I'm saying it to shame the people that put him in that position. 
he won one challenge the whole game, right? I mean, Brown's defensive action success rate is is generally between 60 and 65%. It was 25%. Um, he was, as I say, at one point in the game, he was packed as in bypass more times than he had completed passes. He only completed 20 of those in the whole game. You know, yeah, yeah, he did have one key pass um, and created one chance, but uh, yeah, and, and just to seeing him, to seeing them, to see them line up to run past him, was was just it's just not not how he deserves to be remembered at all. Uh, so not 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 the brown duffer, but not not for his sake, for the people that that chose him. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree, and I, I'm gonna award mine to John Kennedy as a result. Uh, I'll be <laughs> a little non-traditional, uh, yeah, already yeah. having lambasted yeah. him, but uh, yeah, I, I think the the he, he almost uh, like if I was a Rangers uh, Lex Luthor and would hack into Celtic and engineer a way to try and humiliate our captain in his last mm-hmm. derby, uh, I, I would have probably implanted a virus in the system that generated this game plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just, uh, it, it was just absurd. So uh, in, in full agreement. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. If that's all right with you, Alan, I know you've uh, got some other things to do with your life rather than talk to me. Uh, thankfully, hopefully your life's not that pathetic. It's just work, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, th- that's it. Hopefully we'll get Enda back next week. Uh, as he recovers from his ailment. And uh, if you can follow us on social media, we got the Twitter account. Uh, if you download this on Spotify, iTunes, give us a rate and review. If you can on iTunes, that would be great. Um, if you want to see our beautiful faces on YouTube, we also throw it up there. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.
Printing, packing, faxing. The UPS Store can do any ing and every ing for small business. And of course, shipping. Wow, that's really some ing. The UPS Store. The UPS Store franchise locations are independently owned and operated. Services pricing and hours may vary. See Center for details. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.